Hello, and welcome to the Career Canvas podcast, where we add color to different industries from future leaders, their work, and their stories. Today, we are blessed to host Shoshana Ratz, NP. Shoshana, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, a little bit about Shoshana. She works in the healthcare industry as a geriatric nurse practitioner, besides being a concert violinist, but we'll get to that a little later. Her daily tasks include using her medical knowledge combined with nursing knowledge from a social and holistic perspective to treat elderly patients that are homebound. From heart medications, wound care, and pneumonia to recommendations on activities or even good books to read, the NP does it all. It is an incredible combination of skills, and it really does sound like an incredible set of skills. Before we get too deep into this conversation, what is an NP? So an NP is a nurse practitioner. Um, it's been something that's been around since like the 1950s in the United States, but just in the last 10 years or so, um, it's come to be in Israel. However, it only officially really was accepted in Fuller Israeli healthcare system in the last couple of years. So I was one of the first graduating classes of geriatric, which is old people, nurse practitioners, which is essentially a mix between nursing and uh, doctor, physician care, I would say. Okay, so two follow-up questions on that. First of all, you said it's a mix between physician care and nursing. How is it different from both of them? How is it different from being a nurse and how is it different from being a doctor? Being a nurse practitioner is different than being a physician in the sense that we don't have the independence that physicians have, especially in Israel. So right now in my current position in community care, I cannot write prescriptions, but I can call the doctor and say, hey, can you please write a prescription for this patient? And usually he'll do that. Um, and it's not exactly like a nurse because the knowledge that I gained through my studies in my master's degree kind of puts the nursing care at a different level. And so um, not to say that nurses don't work at an extremely high level, uh, but nurses are only allowed to do things that are under their jurisdiction and it's a very strict jurisdiction. And so a nurse practitioner can kind of work a little bit above that. Got it. So does that come into play with the holistic and social perspectives that you, that we talked about before? Does it have to do with more medical perspective? Where does that really uh, interface? What's an example? So I love to give this example that occurred in a geriatric clinic not not very long ago. I was working as a nurse practitioner in the clinic and a patient came in and was diagnosed with dementia, which is a memory uh, cognitive disorder, put it just uh, simply. And I said to the doctor, I said, I don't think this patient has dementia. And the doctor said, no, we already did the testing and, uh, and we already diagnosed them with dementia. And I said, I think that if we looked a little bit deeper, we would find that this patient is not demented. And through a little bit of digging into their social history, I discovered that this patient actually ha has never been a day in her life in school, doesn't know her numbers, doesn't know the days of the week. And those are essentially the questions that were being asked. What day of the week is it today? 
uh, tell me what uh, 100 minus 7 is. And so using kind of that social brain of the nurse to just dig a little bit more into who the person is and not just what we're testing for, I was able to uh, get this woman a much better diagnosis and we were able to help her on a much, much better level. Sounds like you're really the connection between what most people are more familiar with as the nurse and physician. This is right in the middle. Absolutely. And I think that nurse practitioners were started as a way to fill the physician gap, essentially in places in rural America where there wasn't much access to medical care. However, now being a nurse practitioner is its own profession. And I really am proud of the work that I do and that my colleagues do as well. So let's talk a little bit more about that. You mentioned that you're one of the first graduating classes of being a nurse practitioner in Israel. Can you tell me a little bit more? Were there any nurse practitioners before? Did they have to study abroad? Were there positions for it? Where did you study? Can you give me a little bit more of a history on how this became more mainstreamed? So there was a small group of uh, nurse practitioners that fought very, very hard about a decade ago to study in Israel. They kind of built a course for them but they were only allowed to work in a hospital setting and only in, um, I think, two very specific hospitals. Um, Those were kind of our founding mothers, I guess. They really opened the way for myself and my colleagues. They basically integrated into the healthcare system via the geriatric hospital system and proved themselves to be not only a a massive addition to the team, but in the end, all the doctors said that they they cannot work without them at this point. They trust them, they trust their intuition as a nurse and trust their knowledge in that physician sense. I studied in uh, the Mahon Tal nurse practitioner program, which is combined nurse practitioner and master's degree. Um, in order to get there, I had to have a certain number of years in the geriatric field, and I had to have a specialty connected to geriatrics, which is an extra year plus or minus um, of studies. And so uh, it's essentially this specialty and a master's degree, and then you can go for your nurse practitioner studies. That sounds pretty intense. Yeah. My husband jokes that, and it's not a joke, that I've been in school since I was born. So uh, we're still here. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So you've been connecting the nurse practitioner with geriatrics. Is that that the only path to schooling in Israel to be a nurse practitioner in the geriatric field, or that's just the path that you chose? So the geriatric nurse practitioner path was the first one and was um, until about a year and a half ago, the biggest one. There's now palliative care, which is kind of end of life care. Um, and there's also diabetes care. They've opened up now community care, which is kind of like a, a family doctor, uh, nurse practitioner, and uh, neonatal nurse practitioner. Uh, but those are much smaller as of now. And we're just hoping that the profession continues to open up to more specialties so that we can just help all those gaps in the healthcare system. It sounds like there is a gap. People always talk about that. In fact, there was 
there are these international schools to become doctors, Sacklers, that's in Tel Aviv, and there's in Beersheba. And actually, this past year, they started closing it to non-Israeli citizens because they're trying to get more Israeli-trained doctors just in the system. Is this? Do you think that this is supposed to alleviate some of that pain? So I know that there's a lot of politics involved when it comes to nurses, nurse practitioners, and physicians, and kind of filling those gaps. Um, I do think that it's important that we open more seats in schools so that more physicians can learn. Um, however, at this point, I actually do believe that nurse practitioners are its own field. And so I'm hoping that at some point we will not be filling in gaps, but rather having our own sort of way of practicing. But definitely the Israeli healthcare system there's a crazy statistic that over 60% of doctors working now are going to be retiring in the next 10 years. Um, there are not enough new doctors, and a lot of it has to do with the pay. A lot of it has to do with the amount of years spent studying and the hours and conditions. And, you know, if I was a very smart person and I could choose to go into computers or into medicine, and I maybe didn't really have that affinity for caring for others. The money is really in technology, so why not go into computers? Right. Uh, that's certainly a decision that a lot of people have to make. It sounds like that the schooling for to become a nurse practitioner is not less or much less intense than the schooling to become a physician. Is that true? Absolutely. The schooling itself is about as long. It's seven years to be a doctor, seven years to be a nurse practitioner. Um, we don't have to do the kind of shifts that the doctors have to do, you know, the overnight 36-hour shifts that are inhumane anyways and cause a lot of disaster, but that's for a different podcast, I think. But definitely the schooling is very long. And, and that's just to kind of ensure that the nurse practitioners are getting the education that they need to be getting. However, I'm actually writing a thesis now on the education aspect of Israeli nurse practitioners and the gaps that are there. And so you, you can't say enough for efficiency. I don't think it needs to be a full seven years. I think that you can, you know, reduce that a little bit, but uh, it's also a way of kind of weeding weak people out, which has good and bad things, I guess. Right. In the one hand, you want to weed people out because you want the best. On the other hand, you want to have more people because there's not enough of them. Correct. And and the fact that someone can't spend three or four extra years in school because they have a family that they need to support, that's a totally legitimate reason to not uh, being able to get through the program. And there, there were a number of women like that in my year. And it's not that they're any less smart and it's not that they're any less capable. It was just circumstance. And it's honestly just too bad. Yeah, that, I hear that a lot. I mean, people are in a situation where either they're trying to move industries or even if they're not trying to move industries, they're just trying to break into the market, break, in, break into the job. And they're I could do this. I could definitely be, I remember my own journey when I was trying to become into a customer facing role and like, well, you never had a customer facing experience. I'm like, well, that's really what I could do best. But it was, you know, if you don't have the opportunity to, you just don't have the opportunity. And that's sometimes a little bit unfortunate. Uh, you said that you were doing a thesis. Are you back in school? 
So I am currently back in school. I was offered an amazing opportunity in Ben-Gurion University to collaborate with a professor. We already put out two journal articles and a third is on the way. And uh, this is actually a master's thesis. I'm not going for my PhD, or at least I promised myself that I wouldn't. And uh, we, yes. we'll see what happens, but I am... Until further notice, time to to get this uh, research out into the world. Where do you find the time? I currently am not working full-time as a nurse practitioner, just in terms of logistics of where I live and the number of patients that live around me. Um, I hope to go back to full-time, but in the meanwhile, I'm taking advantage of that and uh, using my other skills for this thesis. That sounds like a really great idea. Sometimes we are so caught up in the rat race, we don't see the big picture of taking the steps to build up the knowledge base and the capabilities so that we can actually reach a much higher and more important position later. Absolutely. I heard also that you teach a little bit. I do teach high school. It's called Megamala Mata'ebriut, which is essentially medical health and uh, these high school girls are learning essentially anatomy, physiology, and disease processes and treatments of a lot of, uh, you know, the big diseases. And uh, and I love it. It's just kind of getting back to the basics of things. And um, I think it's really important to give back and, you know, remind yourself where you came from and try and inspire others to kind of make the journey to where you are so that we can have more excellent healthcare providers. I'm sure you are inspiring them not only with your knowledge, but with what you've accomplished and standing in front of them with that, with those accomplishments already. Speaking of which, I is, hope so. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Uh, speaking of which, was this like a lifelong dream that you had to be a nurse practitioner? When you were a young kid, is this like, you're like, when I grow up, I wanted some people say astronaut. You say, I want to be a nurse practitioner. Uh, so I grew up um, in a family of doctors. My On my dad's side, both of his siblings are doctors. Uh, my mom's side, uh, two out of four, and my grandfather were physicians. And uh, the expectation was that I was going to be a doctor. Um, life circumstances and kind of logical decision-making um, brought me to doing a bachelor's in nursing as a, uh, you know, in, in the United States and in Canada, you can do a bachelor's and then your master's is your um, MD. And that was the plan. And uh, in nursing school, I discovered that being a nurse means that you have much more access to patients. And as a nursing student, I actually was able to change policy in the hospitals um, because I stood up for patients and I just found myself loving the nursing position. As a nursing student, I was a witness to a, a mini operation, I would say, of a demented patient. And the doctor was operating and the patient's pain medication had worn off by the time she started. And as soon as the operation started, I mean, you can only imagine the, the shrieking that was coming out from this patient. And the doctor, I remember, kind of said, oh, she won't remember this later or, oh, let's just continue on with this. And I don't have time. And I ran out of the room crying. 
And uh, once they were done, I was chastised very much for running out of the room. And, you know, you need to toughen up, you need to be stronger. And actually, the doctor came out and kind of called me a baby. And I turned to her and I said, I'm a baby. Well, you're an animal because only animals would cut up another one of their species and not care. And I almost got kicked out of nursing school for that comment. I actually was suspended. Um, The next week I got a call from school and apparently the doctor wanted to speak to me. And she said, you know what? You're absolutely right. And we changed the policy for the entire hospital because of what you said. And now there's a new policy in place so that we don't make mistakes like that. And I said, if a nursing student can make an impact like that, imagine what a nurse could do. And then when this nurse practitioning thing opened up, I kind of said, you know, I, I can just try and take it one step further up the ladder of uh, positions, but I still wanted to stay true to my nursing background. Wow. So you always wanted to, at least in the background, you always were thinking of being in the healthcare industry. And you sort of just took it one day at a time and you wanted to be more personable. So you went to the person, the people side of medicine, which is more nursing and you kept your eyes open. And I think that's one of the advantages a lot of times for being fresh, fresh pair of eyes is that you don't just say, okay, that's how we do it. That's how we've always done it. It's like, why is it being done this way? And for it to have the, the courage and the bravery to stand up to a, a physician and even being willing to almost risk everything is impressive. Thank you. I, I definitely learned that from my parents, especially my dad. I, I always saw him standing up for his patients. And, and I think he learned that from his father, who just you know went through the Holocaust and would just... The stories that were told about how he cared for others and advocated for others. I mean, uh, it's just inspiring and I'm glad I can just be part of that connection. Yeah, it's really something special. It's something special to be part of that tradition. Working in geriatrics, COVID seems like a long time ago, but it also wasn't so long ago. How was that experience? Are there any lingering effects? Uh, there are absolutely lingering effects of COVID, um, and I don't—I wouldn't even say lingering. I would say extremely tangible effects of COVID. I would say, from the geriatric perspective, the number of patients we had that were secluded in their houses led to dementia diagnoses in numbers that we have never seen before. It is obviously important to remember that we implemented these safety measures in order to protect people's lives. However, the social aspect of it has come to light more and more. And the patients that were left alone and left secluded without anybody to speak to, uh, it led to debilitating cognitive issues, um, as well as patients dying because they were scared to go to the doctor to get their medications, patients' diseases worsening. And, you know, we'll just talk about COVID for a second. I mean, the number of patients that I've had that have had corona and now have those post-corona symptoms that include not only, you know, the chronic fatigue that maybe the younger population may suffer from, myself included, 
but I have patients that now have uh, breathing tubes and um, tracheostomies, which is, you know, they have to breathe kind of through their neck. Um, and that is going to be a lifelong problem. I definitely wish that COVID had never happened, but now we kind of have to put on our big girl shoes and try and reverse these effects as much as possible, or at least give support to the patients and families that are now broken up and destroyed because of the effects of corona, both socially and medically. Wow. I wonder if a lot of the policies were made with doctors, without nurses, without thinking about that social aspect. If we're talking about it now, uh, I wonder. I don't know. I wasn't wasn't invited to that room. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, nurses are often not invited to that room. I I think, you know, it doesn't even have to be a nurse. It could be social workers. I I think a lot of of the time there's that, that paternalistic uh, worldview. And I don't mean this in a, uh, you know, you know, hating men and hating the system, but rather um, inclusion. And a lot of times we forget that in the boardroom of inclusion and medical inclusion, we need to include uh, the holistic aspect of things and the advocates for our patients. And, uh, and that's just not a physician forte. And that's fine but then include the people who that is a forte for them. Right. Of course, there are the physicians like your father and, and other people. There's a lot of physicians that are doing great good and think very strongly on the side of the patient, but it's not supposed to be what their focus is only, right? There's, they're supposed to be focusing on some of the other aspects which aren't being managed or thought about from other professionals. Absolutely. I mean, listen, uh, you, you can't have a nurse without a doctor. You can't have a doctor without a nurse. I, you know, everybody has their role in things, but then just bring everyone to the table. Let's just make it a nice big party of all different perspectives. Absolutely. Is there a project or something in your work that you've been a part of that you're especially proud of? Until about a year ago, I was the manager of a geriatric multidisciplinary clinic. Uh, What that means is a patient comes in and instead of just seeing the doctor or the nurse, they come in for about two and a half hours and they see the nurse, the social worker, the physiotherapist, the occupational therapist, and then the doctor. So this patient's coming in and we as the medical team are getting a full view of the patient's issues And uh, I love that job. And I think that just being a nurse practitioner, um, I was able to add a lot of good to that already existing clinic. For example, we had a phone answering machine, uh, you know, to make appointments. And the, the voice on the phone spoke so quickly that the patients couldn't hear. Um, Or, or for example, we, we had English-speaking patients and uh, nobody that spoke English to answer the phones. We had signs on the doors that were, I, I mean, you can't see on the podcast, but they were this big. And, you know, an old patient can't see little tiny signs. And so through my, I guess, my nursing perspective, I was able to change a lot of, a lot of processes there so that the patients could actually get care on the level that they needed. And I, I, I'm still proud of that. I think that things were done in a certain way for a very long time. 
And uh, just I was able to, you know, fix it up just a little bit and enough to make the everyday lives of geriatric patients a little bit easier. It sounds like this is this is what you do. You challenge the status quo. Yeah, I guess that's that's kind of the way that I've, the I've always been. Yeah. <laughs> but in a very positive way. Uh, on that light, is, is this something or is there a different trait that you would say is especially important for somebody who wants to become a nurse practitioner? I definitely think that not losing that spark of empathy and humanity um, I think that's really the most important, you know, you, you can be the smartest person in the world and the way that you see a, a patient and it doesn't have to be an old patient. Uh, you just see a patient as a piece of meat and that happens a lot. And I think that to be a nurse practitioner, um, you really, really have to just hold on really tight to that piece of humanity that makes you a good advocate for your patients. I think that's true in all industries. Even if you think about in high tech where I am, you think about clients, you like forget that they are even a name. They're just a company. And the people in front of you forget who they are. And that cripples relationships. It cripples the ability to do good and to think bigger. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think nowadays in the world of technology, we're so used to, you know, seeing just names on screens. And, and it's so easy to forget that there's a person and a whole story and history behind that person. And I mean, I, I can only imagine when, when you're facing clients to know even a little bit about them, um, you know, can make the biggest difference. Yeah. Not to give myself a shameless plug, but one of the uh, LinkedIn posts that I did, as someone told me before I started you should always ask what the weather is. Know what the weather is before you get on a call with the people so that you have something to talk about. I'm like, why don't I just ask them how their day is going? And I think that's a different type of perspective, but the, the idea is to, to really try to connect to people. And I think that that's what you're saying is the empathy that you really need to be a successful nurse practitioner. Is there somebody that you found, I guess it's a relatively young field, but is there a mentor that you've had or somebody that you've, spoken to that's been influential in your career? Um, I definitely have a number of people like that, you know, spanning from my dad and, and my grandfather uh, to a nurse that my dad works with, Sharon Fiorelli in Canada. Uh, she was a, was a nurse for years and years and years, just a, a regular nurse. But I always saw how she beyond cared for her patients and she would just would encourage me all the time to just, you know, be the best person I can be, show up the way that I want to, as well as continuing my education. She was a very big advocate and still is a very big advocate, uh, continuing my journey as a nurse. There is also uh, a doctor that I work with here in Israel, um, Dr. Shelley Sternberg, who really brought nurse practitioners to the forefront in the company I'm working for now and has viscerally protected me and my profession and my position and has just been on my side at all times. I think that without her, I wouldn't have had the strength to be, you know, kind of this pioneer. I think I would have really given up much quicker. Uh, but to know that someone who's very smart, believes in you, and someone who has a lot of experience thinks that you and your profession are worthwhile, that really gives you a push to move forward no matter how hard it is. 
Wow. And that's coming from someone who challenged a doctor at the operating table. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Shout out to Sharon in Canada. Shout out to Dr. Shelley in Israel. Uh, amazing. Thank you. And we like to get to know people outside of their nine to five. And I mentioned just briefly that you're a concert violinist. So first yes. of all, that's pretty cool. What's your favorite song and how you think that music has, or if it has or hasn't helped you professionally? Okay. Well, um, yeah, I think that playing violin is pretty cool. I mean, I, I started at the age of two and I didn't really have much of a choice growing up. Um, we'll just be honest there. However, I am forever grateful to my parents for pushing me. Um, I, I definitely, I know that music plays an enormous part in what I do. Uh, firstly, I think that I think a little bit more out of the box because of music. Um, I'm able to come up with solutions for problems um, in a kind of a different way uh, for patients, including singing and including uh, calming methods via music. But I also think that music is a really powerful thing. And I, um, it's a way to connect to people without words. And I see this a lot in my geriatric patients that coming in, saying good morning and singing a song from their childhood. Uh, I mean, that just perks a person up. Someone who hasn't spoken a word in months and months that can just change their day. Um, on the fun side of things, I... Definitely enjoy playing. My sister is much more professional than I am. Shout out to my sister, Miriam. Hey, Miriam. Um, <laughs> you better be listening. Absolutely. Uh, playing music is, is kind of not as much of a hobby, but more of a grueling profession. Um, and so that focus and the determination that you have to have for music definitely spills over into other things. However... I just love to have fun with music and I sing songs to my kids all the time. And um, one of my favorite uh, pieces of music is uh, Tchaikovsky's Violin Concerto. And honestly, when I put that on for my kids, they calm down so fast. It is unbelievable. And uh, that's just, you know, my little tip for uh, everybody, young, old, just put on some music and change the mood. Yeah, and I've heard you play the violin before, and it is beautiful, and it is amazing. I think the first song I asked you to play, do you remember which one it was when I first found I out don't. you played it? Can you guess? Oh, was it Devil Goes Down to Georgia? No, it was the Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, yes, Pirates of the Caribbean. That is some excellent music. Some excellent yeah. music. That was the first <laughs> thing. I'm like, whoa, you play violin? Uh, and like, can you play the Pirates of the Caribbean? And you did. You're like, okay, I guess I can. And you just started going. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, thank you. This has been really wonderful. This has been a really interesting conversation to understand the field of nurse. Not a lot of people know about nurse practitioners, especially in Israel, because it is a fresh uh, industry and you're certainly pioneering it. I'm always proud to say, I know someone, oh, nurse practitioner. I know someone, one of the first people that was nurse practitioner in Israel. Uh, and so it's really my honor. And I'm sure Everyone here listening is getting gaining a lot from hearing your perspective, learning from you, understanding how music plays a role. And I wish I had you had your violin. You could just do you ever take it to work? Do you ever play it for your patients? I, you know, I do sometimes take it with me uh, on my home visits if I know that a patient could could use a little pick me up. I I love it. I think it's just um just so fun. 
Uh, next time I'll bring you violin when you have me on next time. Okay, fantastic. Well, there you have it. And you can see how uh, Shoshana really goes beyond, out of the box, right? Thinking out of the box, going beyond the box, trying to make sure that her patients get the best care. And we are so happy that you joined us today. And thank you all for listening.